As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We're talking NIL today, and I know sometimes that makes people's eyes glaze over, but since Stuart Mandel put this story out last Friday about a class of 2023 five-star player getting a deal that could guarantee up to $8 million over the next three-ish, four-ish years, it's suddenly gotten a lot more interesting. Plus, the NCAA basketball tournament's coming up. Some player that you probably have never heard of is going to be the most famous person in sports for 12 to 48 hours at some point over the next couple weeks. And now they can actually cash in. I'm curious to see how that goes. So I called up Blake Lawrence, who's the CEO of Open Doors, also former Nebraska linebacker. And he came on and we talked all about what is happening in NIL from the deals with these collectives like Stuart wrote about, how the state laws are changing and, and how... A lot of states want to change their laws now. And just about what the future might look like. And it's crazy because Blake actually kind of predicted the future during our interview. We recorded the interview early Monday morning. And in the afternoon on Monday, I get a text from Blake. He said, hey, I think I spoke something into existence. And what we've been talking about was the the Cavender twins at Fresno State. They're, they're basketball players. Haley is the uh, leading scorer in the Mountain West this past year. Hannah also scores a bunch of points. Haley averaged 19.8. Hannah averaged 17 points a game. So two really good sisters playing basketball. They played three years at Fresno State. And he said, look, th- these, these players are making money. Like, they're making deals. They got announced as uh, champ sports athletes. Uh, they got flown on a private jet to L.A. to shoot a commercial recently. So they are, you know, pretty big brand names at this point. And they've decided they're going to enter the transfer portal. Haley Cavender tweeted that on Monday. So where are they going to wind up? Are they going to end up at a school that is maybe a bigger platform than, than Fresno State? We'll see. But it's going to be very interesting to see how that manifests itself. Because, you know, we, we've seen it with Caleb Williams already going to USC. We're going to see it more with other players. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting because even without an IL, I'm guessing these two players, because they're very good, would have been candidates to transfer. And I'm sure other coaches may have been reaching out <laughs> behind the scenes trying to say, hey, you know, maybe, just maybe. But the NIL piece of it makes it even more interesting. And what is going on in football recruiting, obviously, is very interesting. And Blake and I kind of of the same mind that deals like that one that, that Stuart wrote about I'm not sure those are very smart deals for the people making them. The, the player signing it, he he's taking a risk too, but it feels like there's a lot more risk on the other side. So we'll see how that goes. But Blake and I, I tend to agree they might be looking in the wrong position groups for this. There there may be some some there may be a chance to really cash in and and grab somebody somewhere else. I think the big guys, um, maybe I'm just trying to help make the big guys some money, but also I think 
it's probably a little easier to predict whether they're going to be good or not. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think I'm going to run the numbers later this week, and we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm very curious what I find on that. But you know, Blake was kind of on the leading edge of this because he's been doing this with pro athletes where basically he created a, an app that allows pro athletes and brands to connect with each other if you know somebody wants to reach out to an NBA player and have them advertise their product, that's how that works. Uh, they can go through Blake's company, Open Doors, and, and do that. And it, it's very interesting how all this has evolved because there is that, but there also is what's going on with the collectives, which that's not necessarily buying the brand. That's buying the player. And I don't have a problem with that. This is America. You're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay you. But... I'm sure the the folks who thought, oh, it'll just be, you know, doing some commercials and uh, schools aren't going to be, of course they are. This is competitive. In college football, they have had website networks dedicated to ranking how well schools perform in acquiring talent. So, of course, this was going to happen. Again, I don't have a problem with it. I know some of you do, but it's going to keep happening because essentially it's the law in most states, or it's not the law, and, and Blake, will, Blake will get into that too, because where it's not the law is, is probably the most interesting kind of place. But a lot has changed even in the nine months or so since these NIL state laws went live. So it, it's really interesting to check in with Blake, and as interesting as his NIL stuff is, stay for the Indomitian Sioux stories. Blake was a linebacker at Nebraska who played you know, behind Indomitian Sioux, and let's just say Ndamukong Sue kept Blake's jersey real clean in a lot of games. So enjoy the interview with Blake. Try to guess who that college basketball player will be who becomes the most famous person in sports for 12 to 48 hours and learn a little bit about the new world of college sports. Here with Blake Lawrence from Open Doors, the, the king of NIL, the guy who was doing NIL before anybody even knew what that was. Because Blake, you were you were a linebacker at Nebraska, right? You played with Prince Amu Kamara. Was was it yeah. his his situation you were trying to help out when he got in the NFL? Yeah, certainly. A decade ago, started to build an app to help athletes manage name, image, and likeness rights. Even before it was called NIL, right? It was just called athlete endorsements. And uh, yeah, a buddy of mine, Prince Amu Kamara, got drafted. He needed help, and so uh, we built this app so we could manage all this stuff. And never in my wildest dreams would you imagine a decade later that you know, nearly 70,000 student athletes use open doors every day, right? And they're managing NIL activities. They're, they're disclosing activities. They're getting paid. They're getting their tax information. They're signing contracts all through this simple app. Um, Cause you know, most of these student athletes don't have an agent. And so they yeah. got to have something to manage all these things in one place. And open doors is becoming that solution for student athletes. I feel like this is going to be the new version of the NCAA commercial, the the 99% of them will go pro in something other than sports. It's going to be 99% of them don't have an agent, but yeah. we're going to end up talking about the 1% who do, because that's what you and I, we were texting before we started recording and you're like, let me guess what you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, like, buddy. Yep. <laughs> so Stuart Mandel put out a story on, on Friday on The Athletic. Uh, he had gotten a chance to review a contract that was signed by a, a class of 2023 recruit, uh, five-star recruit, uh, with a one of these collectives that they're not officially attached to a school, but right. we all know they basically are. And it is a, a contract where he is selling his NIL rights lock, stock, and barrel. So it's not like he's making a deal with a brand. He's selling his rights to make those deals to another entity for a set price where he gets a signing bonus of I think 350000 he gets a, a, an amount this year and an amount in the ne- over the next three years mm-hmm. after that. And I, what did you think when you saw that deal? Well, first of all, Stu, Stu gave me a call on Friday afternoon. And he said, Blake, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had, to, we had to have a conversation about it. Um, and and I, his, his sentiment is right. This is unbelievable to be nine months into the NIL era and have it have progressed this far in terms of student athletes that are yet to play their senior year in high school, uh, being offered millions of dollars in NIL opportunities. 
And there are, there's no precedent for something like this. Uh, and there's a lot of scrutiny of the, the purpose, the intent of this mm-hmm. deal. Uh, what does it mean? Is this a, a, a direct violation of the NCA's interim NIL policy on inducement, right? Is this an inducement for an in- individual to attend a specific school? Uh, is this market rate? Is this what is to be expected of, of high school uh, prospects at the highest level? I mean, this is the, just a significant amount of questions pop up over those those uh, last three days as this market started to understand what does this mean for the future of college sports? So I, I guess we can answer many of those questions here today, as, as many as I can or, or well, we can attempt to. My, my biggest, like the market rate thing. Yeah. This market didn't exist. Before July first of last year, so yeah. how? Who's to say what's market rate right now? Yeah, certainly, and, and I don't think that this is something that. So there was potential at the beginning of all this nil stuff that there would be scrutiny about how much an individual is being paid and having some sort of limits. There's no limits, and there's no such thing as market rate. So uh, the the real impact on market rate is that if this is trend then collectives at other schools must be prepared to offer $2 million a year to a five-star you know, prospect. And yeah. that's what I mean by market rate. Did this market need to get this big this fast? Because $500,000 a year probably would have gotten the deal done. Right. Uh, $2 million just it, seems egregious, and it just, it's going to race to the top. Yeah, and, and but look, this is I look at this and I go, okay, you had all these kind of half measures – because you're not going to let the schools pay them, blah, blah, blah. Is this not just them sort of filling in? Because it's really about what they think this person's worth as a football player. Right. Yeah. Not what they're worth as a brand because right. they're buying the this collective is buying the NIL rights. They're probably going to lose money on that. Like that person is probably not going to book $8 million worth of deals over the next four years. Mm-hmm. So – the, the balance of that is what they're worth as a football player. Now, me, as someone who has followed recruiting for a long time and knows the hit rate on certain positions, and I think, you know, this, I think this is a quarterback. I think we're talking about a quarterback. Just educated yeah. guess here. I don't know that I'd be willing to, oh my to promise too much up front. I just, yeah. I just yeah. wouldn't. Well, and, and the thing is, that there, so there is – when it comes to the these types of agreements and you know position aside just how do these things come together you know there's a these collectives are in essence business entities just like McDonald's is a business entity and McDonald's right. if they would like to uh, do a deal with a a four year deal worth 8 million dollars with Bronny James mm-hmm. right they could absolutely do that. There's no rules against that for, for McDonald's to do so. And so long as McDonald's does not have in the language of this agreement, bonuses based on how many points he scores as a college. Right. Or, or where he goes to school. Or where he goes I to be- school. I believe this agreement basically just says you just need to be enrolled at a four-year institution. And and the I think the entity can cancel it, or the, the collective can cancel it as soon as the person is not enrolled in a four-year institution, which – if you were transferred, there would be a gap in right. enrollment. So you, that would activate the, the period where they could cancel. There, yeah, right. But, but the thing is, I think there's a lot of scrutiny. Like, is, is this legally, like contractually different than a brand offering a high school athlete $8 million to be an ambassador? And, and it's, it's actually contractually not different. Right. And so that's the challenge here is that like from the letter of the law, these, these uh, groups aren't silly. They understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, there's likely to be that this contract is going to be permissible under the current guidelines, you know, the state of wherever this is and, uh, you know, for, from the NSA policy. So, yeah, then then it comes down to what triggers, like what if the student athlete doesn't attend a certain institution mm-hmm. that the collective desires them to attend or what happens if they show up and transfer? And I'll, I'll talk to you about the specifics, of like how those things actually happen. Yeah, that's what I, I am curious about that, because. I would think if if the athlete does not attend the school that the collective thinks he's going to attend, but he still attends a big time mm-hmm. school, this is this is what I'm really like. Could this happen where the collective's like, we wanted him to go to this school, but he's still pretty valuable to us at this other school. We're <laughs> going to keep this and, up. Andy, this one's pretty simple, right? This is pretty yeah. simple for listeners out there. 
a lot of these collectives are basing deals on physical presence at NIL activities on gotcha. a monthly or bi-monthly basis. Right. Right. So if an, if a student athlete has signed a, a long-term agreement with the collective, they have a, a really like every two week or four week check-in where they have to make a physical appearance in a certain market, sign autographs, you know, so if you're playing somewhere else, you can't physically show up in that. You'd market. have to get a flight Got back. It. Right. And, and so if you are not physically present, then that is cause for termination. Like if you do not fulfill the obligations of the agreement. So that makes it rather simple to understand that, that if you just happen to go to a different school, then you'll never receive the compensation that you would have received for being present at an, uh, an event that is happens to be nearby yes. a college campus. So that's the, that's the transfer thing. The real question is what happens if he's not very good. That's and that, and listen, the hit rate on, let's say he's a quarterback, five-star right. quarterbacks, is about 50%. Mm-hmm. And that's that's actually high. That, that's on the high end. The, the five-stars tend to, to pan out more often than the others. But it's 50%. You are rolling the dice that, that this is this guy is going to be. And, and look, all you need to look at is the national champions, the reigning national champions, where mm-hmm. they had a five-star player who you know originally signed with USC, JT Daniels. He's mm-hmm. there. He gets hurt. Stetson Bennett comes in. Stetson Bennett leads him to the national title. Right. Stetson Bennett was not. If Stetson Bennett came out of high school right now, nobody's handing him this deal. JT Daniels, they are. But yep. that's that's what you get. It, and now Bryce Young, he panned out. Right. Same thing. So I would say that some of this is signaling as well. I, I, I would say that there's a benefit to those schools who have a, a well-informed collective in their market that is mm-hmm. showing the world that if you are interested in this school, you will be right. supported with NIL opportunities. And that's one of the challenges is that so many of these schools, uh, they cannot be directly involved in any which way in, in right. communicating with collectives or, or setting up these conversations. And many of these collectives, like it requires a highly sophisticated intelligent sports marketer on the other end that knows the game. And yeah. There are early winners. Now, there will be by the end of this year, every single Division One Power Five school will have a collective in their market and it will be marketed and it'll be known as long as these are the current policies and guidelines that exist. But right now, the early movers are winning and the early movers are winning the 2023 recruits in terms of football and basketball because they're able to speak directly to what it means from an NIL opportunity standpoint in their market. Yeah, that that's the part that, that's really interesting to me is it, it's it's not necessarily because everybody thinks it is the schools that are currently winning that are, currently have the most and and they these are the schools that are organized and have the most money do have an advantage but david ubbin did a story on the the collective that, that is servicing tennessee right now mm-hmm. tennessee's not had a ton of success but they have a highly motivated fan base right. you know highly motivated all this so that type of school, I do wonder, can they get some guys? Like I, I can think of your alma mater, Nebraska. Right. Uh, Arkansas is a school like that where there's a highly motivated fan base, lots of money in the area. Uh, you know, th- there are there are several schools that that just sort of pop. Texas, yeah, not right. necessarily successful on the field, highly motivated, right. highly organized. Yep. Like I do wonder. Will they get some players away from the Alabamas and the Georgias and the, and the Ohio States? I, I think money talks. And for this era of college football recruiting, the NIL dollar flow at a school is just as important as facilities, as important as head coach, as important as traditions, because it is now um, a known fact that, that there are certain markets where there is compensation to be had. And it is going to be very difficult for fan bases and coaches in in markets where there is not an established collective or entity that is helping support student athlete opportunities in the market to recruit against those schools. And that's where we are. So it's those schools, you mentioned Texas, you mentioned Tennessee, you mentioned Nebraska, you know, there are some key markets here where they've been not just, um, you know, out there in terms of collectives and support from that, you know, donor group, but, but operational. Right. So many like at each market every other week is a new collective is, is popping up. Right. And right. but many of these collectives are uh, f- 
in the foundation phase. Like they're trying to get started. They're not either fundraising, they're not operational. Uh, meanwhile, those that are operational that were early movers in the space, like they're truly putting dollars in kids' pockets in exchange for bona fide compliant NIL activities. I mean, there's there's really no shake in this that there has to be a legitimate exchange of value in, in order right. to receive compensation. And the good ones are doing it right. And they're just saying, hey, this is an autograph signing. There's an appearance like let's go hang out with kids and read books at a elementary school. And there's no college sports fan that if you actually looked behind the scenes and figured out what the student athletes are doing to get compensated, you'd be proud of it, right? These are kids that are they're actually going to the community or they're interacting with fans on podcasts, Zoom calls, signing autographs and giving things away. Like yeah. These are very valuable things that used to happen in the community for free. And now student athletes are being compensated for out there's much complaints out there. If you really look under the covers and see what's happening. Well, it, it's interesting because we, I, I feel like we don't see a lot of it. We, you know, a lot of the things I, I did see, I saw, I actually saw a Marshall player. This was just retweeted onto my timeline, a Marshall player doing something for a car dealership. And I, and I thought about that and I was like, you know, I, I really expected to see more of this. Like, yeah. But it doesn't seem like all of it is 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 getting into the public sphere. It's hyper local, Andy. I mean, it just yeah. like, I think that if you are in a college town, you might see it or feel it more often, right? You're gonna well, I am. I, I live in a tiny college yeah. town. I'm in Gainesville, Florida. Right. Now, right. now, when I go with my son, there's like ten the, collectives in Florida, yeah. Andy. Just oh yeah. So. Well, when I when I go with my son to the to the baseball card shop because he loves football cards, yeah. when we go there. There is a giant table of Anthony Richardson signed merchandise right, right. on the table. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you do see it. But it, I thought I really thought we would see more of it. And I, I didn't think like national, although I think we'll probably this NCAA tournament week, we'll probably see a yeah. little more national stuff this week. Right, exactly. And I think that's that's kind of a good transition into the different types of NIL compensation out there. I mean, there are the donors and these collectives that are really the largest source of NIL compensation in the market because their uh, intents and access to capital is quite different than anyone else, okay? Right. Like the, the brands and sponsors of, you know, collegiate athletic departments and, and events and whatnot, and advertisers, I mean, if they want to activate a student athlete, there are a lots of hoops to jump mm-hmm. through. I mean, we've been doing this for a decade here, and I can tell you that there are things that are happening now that the very first time the brand came to us to talk about an activation around March Madness was six months ago, right? So these things don't happen in six days or six minutes. Like these are six month type of things. And um, that's what it takes for the big dollars to move quick. Now there's some things that we can expect to see around March Madness. That'll be very new to most college sports fans. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I saw you you did a list of your favorite NIL deals, like the Paige Becker's Gatorade deal. I, I assume we're going to see a lot of Pagey buckets over yeah. the next few weeks and not just because UConn is, yeah. is probably going to go deep in the in the tournament. Yeah. Well, is it Timmy? Uh, Timmy over at uh, Gonzaga, right? Yeah, Drew Timmy. Yeah. Yeah. So Drew Timmy, he's got the chinfluencer. I think it's like with Harry's. Uh, yeah, he's got. It, he's, he's a chinfluencer. So we'll probably see some promotions oh. on social media with some of those guys that. And that's an interesting thing too. Like those those uh, athletes that, gosh, it's been a while since the national media has talked about Drew, or that I've seen Drew Timmy right. Because the last time I, I I heard anybody talk about Drew Timmy nationally was in the national title game when he tried to do the goatee thing when right. they're down like twenty, and you're like, Correct. no, dude, you can't you can't do that. Right, right. But now he's gonna be thrust back in the spotlight. Many people are like, oh, that's him. And so those are the types of athletes that should get 
national brand advertisers attention it's national you know it's, it's women's history month right celebrate women's mm-hmm. month and so there's some women's basketball opportunities out there h&r block just committed a million dollars you know a year in nil opportunities to women's sports uh champs sports is is coming no it's champion champion just put together a lineup of you know a dozen or so women's athletes mm-hmm. that they should be activating on social media so it'd be interesting to see what you see on traditional television like what you're seeing in the, in the national ads because yeah. so much of that, in order to get a student athlete to film a national you know, commercial, you would have to have picked that athlete before basketball season started. Right. And, and it's sort of like it's just like having Nick Saban in your Aflac commercial. Like he and Dion are filming those over the summer. Right. They're not, <laughs> they're not doing it right, right in the middle of the season. They're not breaking for practice to do it. So Right. And, and that becomes a challenge because as, as you get closer to March Madness, it becomes more clear to advertisers who is valuable. But as you get closer to March Madness, it becomes more clear to coaches that these co- these kids need to stay locked in. And so that's the, always the balance is, is like these near term activations. So you are likely to see athletes that are going to show up in by the end of the tournament that had a great first weekend and were eliminated. Yeah. This is this is what I'm interested in, because this is the first time this has been a possibility. Like Fennis Dembo didn't get this. Bryce Drew didn't get this. Ali Farouk Manesh didn't get this. But right. you can become a household name for 12 to 48 hours right. where everybody in the whole country sees you multiple times on national television over and over again for a two-day period. Right. If I am Ali Farouk Manesh and I just torched Kansas and it's now and I can yeah. do something about that, what do I do? I would keep an eye on the company Breaking Tea. Breaking Tea is an example oh, yeah. of quick movers, right? And so oh, Breaking yeah. Tea has got a program set up where they can quick turn activate these athletes. So imagine that Farouk Manesh, you know, beats Kansas. He's a legend uh, still today, but he could he could sell a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand T-shirts in forty-eight hours of that win. Right. With his name, image, and likeness. And all that takes for him is to sign like one piece of paper that gives Breaking Tea the rights to use his NIL on these well, shirts. Full disclosure, my former SI co-worker, Don Bonvasudo, involved with, with Breaking Tea. Yeah, right. Peter yeah. King's personal editor and, and then figured out this amazing concept of you can crank T-shirts when right. a moment happens. Correct. And, and so I think you should expect to see that. Uh, you, you, If you open up Instagram right now and you're scrolling through and you're a sports fan, you might see ads for Breaking Tea promoting Gonzaga t-shirts and, you know, showing different uh, student athletes NIL or, and naming the back of the jersey Gonzaga on the front. Like those are things that are an advantage to, you know, schools and states without laws that, that allow them to uh, combine school rights and student athlete rights. That, so, that was my, that was another question is, is how different is it based on the, the States with no laws, basically it's, it's no laws when you're drinking claws for NIL, <laughs> right? Know, like you right. can do pretty much anything you want <sighs> because the NCAA just said, follow your state law. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know, in these States where there is uh, no state law, then the schools have policies. They have to comply with the four things in state says, like the schools can't pay the kids. It can't be an inducement. It can't be performance-based pay. And there must be proof that the activity occurred, right? Those are the four rules. Other than that, like, the, yeah, they can combine the, the school's IP with the student athlete's IP, make a jersey. They can put trading cards out there. They can do a lot of different things. Uh, so, yeah, those are some advantages in those states. But here's some, here's some really challenging things that are happening Um you know, when in certain states, Andy, like we had a, a national advertiser that was looking to do something big around March Madness, and they wanted to spend you know, seven figures on student athletes and NIL. That's a pretty big figure. Yeah. And their vision was that, you know, in between a Thursday game and a Saturday game or a Friday and a Sunday game, you know, they could activate those athletes if they won their first game. So they could have them record a video, say thank you, that sort of thing. And then we started to break down the different challenges of doing so. Because the minute that these student athletes leave their campus, they're on call. Basically, they're on call. They're they're on a, a trip representing the college that they play for, and many school policies do not allow those student athletes to monetize while they're on call. Oh, I didn't right? realize that. Yeah, and many and even state laws. Like, uh, let's say that uh, Paige Paige Beckers, if if she, you know, the Connecticut state law would not allow her to 
record a, a podcast and get paid for it or do a video shout out for a fan or sign autographs while representing the university. And that's from the minute she leaves campus to the minute she gets back on Sunday evening. Wow. That is right. very interesting. And and that's, that's a, and, and now if I'm at a, at a school that doesn't have that policy or in a state that, that doesn't have that in the law, I'm using that as a recruiting tactic saying they're taking money out of your pocket because yeah. you're going to miss the time when you could take advantage of it the most. I want you to visualize a hotel lobby in one of these uh, host cities. I've been there. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure. And, 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 and you can imagine that on one side of the lobby is a, as a row of tables of, you know, the, the team that just won the day prior and they're just signing autographs, getting paid, signing autographs, getting paid, signing autographs, getting paid. On the other side is the the team that they're playing, you know, the, the very next day that is not by their own state law allowed to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And like that, that's some of the inequities and the challenges with having these different state rules is that, you know, one's one group of student athletes have all the advantages and opportunities and student athletes that happen to go to a school in a state where the legislators just copy and paste it from one other state mm-hmm. um, and didn't really think about the impact. Pick the wrong state. Challenged. Yeah. They just picked the wrong state. And like that is going to be used in recruiting until these state state laws are. Also, I, I talked to, to Chip Lamarca, who is the, the Florida state rep who yeah. championed that bill. I right. talked to him on the December signing day for football. And he's like, yeah, we got to change. We got to change the law now because it's getting it, it's gotten to where Florida state of florida they feel like they can't compete yeah yeah and so it's interesting the the state legislators that put these laws in effect did so to force the nca's hand and the nca's hand actually was got forced by the supreme court uh right unknowingly awesome. uh so the timing was very interesting of that but now those states that rush to pass laws that that in effect grant the student athletes the rights to monetize nil are at a disadvantage because those rules are over restrictive like student athletes don't need to be given the right to monetize NIL, right? Right. It's um, a basic economic a, right that everyone cor- had. Correct. It's a great part of the, the American economics. Um, so those student athletes now should go and petition say, hey, take these rules away. Like now the, to have balance and have the same standard across the country, you should actually remove all state laws. Right. And, right. The, the schools want a federal law, but that's that's to restrict things further they're not going to get it with this Congress and they may never get it because you'd have to have a Congress motivated enough to even bother passing it. Yeah, correct. And again, this is something that there's so much more happening on Capitol Hill. I mean, a year ago it was possible right now it's improbable and it's not even necessary, right? The, the free market is, is actually helping the NCAA and its member institutions, whether they like it or or love it or or hate it and want to leave it. Like it is helping them, have to not have to answer questions about like, who's going to pay these kids. The kids are getting paid. Right. And so any, any uh, one that is a proponent of student athletes receiving their fair share of the market should be a fan of whomever is busting out the checkbook and paying these, these student athletes. Right. Because they're, they're earning that compensation by either being highly valuable in what they're doing for a community or for a sports program, highly marketable for what they're doing for a national advertiser or highly engaged for what they're doing in, in terms of changing fans' lives and giving them something to cheer for. Well, I, I'm curious about this too, because I've, I've talked to some, some people, you know, on the school side who are concerned because they feel like, and, and, you know, obviously the school's, can't be directly involved with the collectives, but you know, info gets passed back and forth and mm-hmm. uh, finds its way. And it's interesting to me because it, the collectives are, you know, it, at the highest level, agents are involved. Uh, you right. mentioned that most of them don't have agents, but a lot of them do. In, in at the Your highest revenue level, sports, yeah, starting yeah. starting athletes in revenue sports have an agent for sure. Yeah, and, and for different reasons too, like truly right. for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 the thing is. It's very similar to what you see in the coaching market, where the coaches' agents basically pump up the market by telling the ads, "Hey, this my guy can get this here, my guy can get this here," and and the ads believe them. And in in the collect in the collectives, I don't know. I think there are probably some very savvy business people in here, but this is a new market. Like this, well, I say new. This market existed 
below yeah. decks for a long right. time. But right. now that it's above above ground, it, it, it there's more money involved. So I'm curious, when do the corrections start? How how right. long, how many transactions must take place before you get what a private employer would like? For example, if I went to the athletic when my next contract is up and I said, you got to give me a million dollars a year or I'm going to go to company X because they're going to give me that much. Yep. The athletic would go, ha, <laughs> yeah, you you go take that. Because right. they would know what I was doing one of two things. Either I'm lying right. or the other company's overpaying because Correct. that's not what the market is for someone who does what I do. Yep. When do so, these guys have enough transactions to figure out what that market is? I'm going to take your analogy and I'll give you a couple. If you went to glassdoor.com and you found out that somebody that has your same job at another company is compensated twice as much, that would right. help you in your negotiation, right? Yes, correct. And then if you are an employer and you're looking to hire someone like you, and then you want to know what the market rate for someone like you is, you go to glassdoor.com and figure that out. Okay. And that is, that is called you know, your, we're, okay, we'll take the same analogy into Zillow. Same thing, like anyone yeah. that's listening that's ever bought a home, right? It, it helps you to go to Zillow and figure out what your neighbor's house, you know, sold for, what the house is down the street sold for. So you can get a range, like what is right. But this and, is this is not, this is more like private employers because it's not necessarily, now Glassdoor, people can volunteer that information. Correct. But I don't know how many people are going to be volunteering this information. Well, what if doing it for were, you. What if there were a tech? Yeah. What if there were a technology platform that was aggregating tens of thousands of nil transactions that actually knew the market rate for every individual what they should be getting copies? Correct. Right. And so, what you're talking about earlier is in, in a lot of these agent-driven markets, whether it's real estate, whether it's talent representation, right? Information asymmetry is what boosts up one side, right? Basically, makes one side overpay always and one side underdeliver always, right? Yeah. And, and so, but the agent wins. It happens in travel agencies. Back right. They need transactions. Media. They Correct. win because there's a transaction. Correct. And it, it benefits all of them to not reveal what the actual market rate is because then the rate can always be whatever they want to be. And so that's a challenge here is because if this is how this market goes, like there will be one athlete that gets paid a hefty amount that underperforms, under delivers. Now that agent benefits from the transaction, that athlete wins, but the market loses. And so th that's where technology over the last 20 years has really progressed to a world where people, if you want to know the price of something, you go look it up. And that will apply to NIL. It will apply because of a company like Open Door is actually taking information and just educating the market. Like you want to support an athlete, here's what it costs. Like here's yeah. what the average athlete gets for this. And that's really going to help not just the buyer, but also the seller. Because I can tell you one thing, these athletes and their parents and the people around them have no idea what is good or bad. And right. again, like we're on a mission over at Open Doors to make sure that this this industry is not propped up uh, by information asymmetry, but the world knows you know what it costs to support athletes, where to go to support athletes, and how to do it compliantly. Well, I, I'm curious. You, so the deal you guys just did with Oregon, mm -hmm. how much of that was was based on the the law in the state of Oregon? Had you know because you you can they actually have a, a a piece of their website where you can go. And through you guys, contact their athletes about deals. Right. Right. So that's something that Open Doors is really an NIL marketplace. It allows you to go and browse, build, book deals with athletes from you know, the top of the top, like a, a Blake Griffin or Steph Curry or, or anyone like that, down to a student athlete on your favorite like local D2 school. Right. But it, it streamlines this process. And it's a third party. So it's not actually the schools have no control over and that allows us to operate like this. So it, it's actually right. built for the athletes at that school. And then we will secure the rights to the school's marks to put them on the site to tell fans in that community, like this is the official NIL marketplace of the Oregon Ducks. Uh, anything that they do to transact with the athletes there is going to be disclosed. It's compliant. It's protected. It's supported. It's secure. And so that's going to be the new standard, right? If you are a sports fan and you want to go buy merchandise from your favorite college sports team, Fanatics has built up this own portal, right, for the Florida Gators. And you can go for Florida Gators gear all day. Yeah, right? yeah. So, uh, it's Collegiate Licensing Company was the the one that first started that. Right. Um, yeah. Right. The, the started started by Bill Battle, former Tennessee football coach. Yeah. It's like 
It's like all these football coaches and players doing all this stuff. He he started that. You you're starting this. I mean, come on. Yeah, we're just trying to make it easy, man. I get I, the sports fandom. The one thing that shouldn't be hard is, is where do I go to support these athletes? And we're working our tails off to make sure that's easy. And then once you get there, you know, what can I do? Right. And that's like where you can streamline and say, here's the athletes, here's the activities. And then what does it cost? And so all those things are really the, the check boxes this industry needs. There's parallels in other industries. So sports fans are, you know, can pull up, sit on their couch at home, pull up DoorDash and order food from any restaurant in the city and have it show up within an hour. Like that's a pretty valuable solution. And we right. believe that Open Doors is, is, you know, doing the same. It's not meal deliveries, deal delivery. Uh, deal delivery. There you go. I like there that. You go, that's, baby. This is why this is why you're at the top of the marketing game. That's that, that sort of witty patter right there is yeah. It's critical. So, yeah, we need it, man. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a real good play on words kind of guy. That's that's why I stick to. I, I'm curious where you where you think this because everybody's you know you you get people freaking out. And I know when when Stewart's story came out the other day, everybody's you know shocked and appalled. I, I'm not shocked. I, I've seen the coaches' salaries. I see I see what they pay for facilities that they don't need to be renovating. Like yeah, I I know how much money is in the in the in the deal. Like. Right. There wouldn't be so many cranes on college campuses if people were losing money. Correct. And, and one of the common things is like, oh, no, what's going to happen to the college athletic departments if donors are giving the dollars to the kids? Uh, they will still build nice facilities. They will still have great coaches, because if you're a school that has the best coach, the best facilities and the best NIL opportunities, like you're going to check all three boxes and win. Like if you're a school that has to sacrifice one for the other, man, we got a bad coach. But our facilities are great, right? It, it, like it doesn't win. You have to have all all three now. Like and and nil is uh, one that will be sexy and fun to talk about. In some strange way, it's going to take some of the focus off, or maybe eventually put more focus on how much these college coaches get paid. Right. Well, I, I think I think it will, and and it it, it also will because I have a I've said this a million times about the the coaching market the salary market for coaches like i think nick saban is actually worth 35 million dollars a year i, I think that pay there's nick so saban many fan bases that whatever he wants in but infinite. yeah there's a bunch of guys going seven and five or eight and four who are getting between four and six million a year who are replacement level coaches you could pay them two million or you could pay somebody two million to get the same result Andy, there's nowhere for the money to go man like th there's yeah. just like the, the money is going to flow into a coach's salary or into a facility, like into more staffers to do a, essentially, you know, the there's, it's going to go somewhere. Right. Yeah. And um, now if less dollars flow into college athletic departments and more to college athletes, I don't think that anyone will complain. I, I really don't believe that the, there are some fringe level collegiate athletic departments that are, that could see an impact that has that will lead to maybe letting somebody go or not not activating that uh, facility build for a while. And I would imagine these are mostly um, Division One basketball campuses without football. Right. That's what they are, and they, they, they count every dollar, they count every penny because they, they don't have the machine of college yeah. football behind them. But end of the day, like there's not many that will complain uh, if they have one to two percent of their annual budget shift to the student athletes. And that means they might get more student athletes that can help them win championships, which will increase that revenue line by an umpteen amount percentage above what they lost. Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be fascinating. I, I can't wait to see it all shake out because you know, that deal we were talking about at the beginning of the show, I don't know if it's going to wind up being a good deal for the the player, or a good deal for the, because the, th the thing is that the player's awesome and is like a Heisman trophy winner. It's actually probably not a great deal right but if the player stinks it's a great deal for the player and a terrible deal for the, the, the people who made it and so it goes man what a great thing in the free market right like just take yeah. risks reward those and and make bets and i think that there is the the best outcome from this is the conversation around how big and how fast and how real the opportunities will be for student athletes and revenue sports at big campuses across the country and how much is needed to have a formalized support system around those campuses Right. There's a lot of complaints out there, Andy, right now. 
about the fairness or, or is uh, what the heck can you even do that? Is that allowed? Right. And yeah. it's really just from people that aren't, weren't set up right. Like at the end of the day, like if you know this market, you are supportive of the student athlete, you should be championing and celebrating, right? Anyone that's out there asking for collective bargaining agreements and saying, oh, this is too much too soon. Like, what are we, what are you trying to protect? Like in a free market, the most valuable assets get the most attention and they get the most dollars, right? They generate the most revenue. And sometimes those are people and those people are going to get compensated from someone somewhere, somehow this student athlete, $8 million, uh, not even a senior in high school. That is a, a bet, a gamble, uh, but it's yep. also a shift in where college sports is going. And it's, it's going to, we'll look back five, 10 years from now. I'm like, man, can you imagine that everyone was up in arms about that. And it's just, Oh yeah. Commonplace. Well, it's, it's, I tell, I tell my kids this is they, they get older and, and they're going to, you know, start getting jobs as, you know, as they become teenagers and you're worth whatever someone is willing to pay you. Correct. And it's not my money. <laughs> and if, if you want to spend eight million bucks on a on a high school football player, uh, well, it's not probably not the investment I'd make. But it's your money. <laughs> hey, man, it, it, they, they will. Um, we will know soon enough, right? Who it is, yeah. what it's for, what it means, and where it goes. But um, there is enough passionate people out there that have this irrational support of their favorite sports program at their favorite school. Uh, I mean, $3 billion a year is, are, is just donated to college athletic departments. Correct. $3 billion. So that, that's three, that's 15, 16% of all NCAA revenues like from athletic departments come from donors. Yeah. And it's um, just for the hope that they return to prominence or they stay at that championship level. And if the athletes share in that, I don't, I'm yet to find somebody that's really upset about it. No. And, and I think, I actually think Brett Kavanaugh put it really well in his, uh, his, his opinion. It, it wasn't the majority opinion. It was the one he, he spun off on the side in the Austin case, but he's like, you, you don't go to a, a restaurant cause they pay the waiters less. Like that, that isn't a reason for you to like the restaurant. Right. Uh, <laughs> You probably don't want a doctor who's paid less. You're like, yeah, I want the cheaper doctor. I, I want the dude who makes less. Like, <laughs> no. I, I don't want that person. No, nope. I want the highest salaried person operating on me. That's so. right. Man. Yep. And when you can pick the chef, you know, you're gonna have your your favorite restaurant cooking up whatever meal you want. And if you pick a bad chef, there good thing there's a another class of chefs every year, right? Then his analogy exactly. is, is gonna die on the on the vine. But I'll tell you that that's kind of where this is. Like. That those that have the ability to commit $8 million to something, there's another $8 million in their bank account. I promise you that, right? Yeah. This is not yeah. the last dollar that these donors are given. In fact, it's, it's for those listening to the reality, this is rounding error type money for some of these individuals. And well, I, uh, I will, I, I'm going to give them a hint. I'm going to give them a tip right mm -hmm. now. If you're going to do this, Spend it on offensive tackles and defensive tackles. The hit rate is higher, mm -hmm. and you're going to get more out of it. I can you imagine the day when when this is offensive tackle money like that we're talking about? It's uh, not an accident that the NFL salary scale, yeah, favors quarterbacks that. make the most and left tackles make the second most. Yep, it's not an accident. That's right. It's not as fun, not as sexy, right? To imagine that you're going to be. Uh, hosting the offensive line over your house rather than the starting quarterback when you're trying to show off to other donors. But at uh, the end of the day, yeah, that's how you build a valuable team is you have the, the foundation, the cornerstones, and offensive linemen aren't, aren't a sexy pick, but they are often the difference makers in these national championships. You love rankings. those three techniques, keeping those big dudes off you when you play linebacker. Yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't mind an endomic and sue in front of me. Like I, I would go find one of those. Uh, that's not even fair. No, I know it was. It was like a cheat code, man. <laughs> I, did, I, did anybody you, ever hit you like on no. on a on a trap or anything? He, no, this he's guy, probably just using one hand to grab the other guy to keep him from getting you. Yeah, we had this technique called heavy, and he would line up over the guard, and like his entire goal every play was to take the guard, smash him into the center, and he would fill two <laughs> gaps. And like if you, if you can remove two gaps with one person, you're cheating. And there's a lot of times that he would do that, then go make the play too. So. 
Like we had a lot of guys running free at Nebraska with Indomitian oh, in front of us. What a deal! That's it. I did that. I always when I talk to people who played offensive line or, or played, you know, in in on the line. One of the, the shocking realizations when you go up levels, like my, my favorite play in high school was any play where I got to dip under the dude who's in front of me and just crush a linebacker. Oh, yeah. And then you get to college, and the first time you try to do that, the D tackle just grabs you and throws you somewhere, and you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. Guess who's making the tackle on this play? You know, it's, it's funny because, like, that's not talked about enough, like in just regular sports fandom, is that a lot of times these defensive linemen, like, why aren't they making the play every time? I want them to make the tackles. Like, no, they don't have to make the tackle to make the play. Like, they're basically supposed to like occupy as many blockers. Yeah, correct. They're like a defensive blocker in a way, and it's it's very rarely called. But like, there's certain times when, uh, you know, Sue could he would just hold on people, right, and just make sure they couldn't go block him. And, <laughs> right, you, uh, can, you you can you can actually call holding on that play, but no one ever calls it. Right, correct. Defensive holding is rare on the offensive lineman, right? But it, it yeah. does happen every once in a while. And next time you see it, like. Oh, that's what they're doing, right? It's wild. I can I, I just I can't even that that's the most dominant player that I've seen at the college level in, in my lifetime. Yeah. Is Dominican Sue. All right, maybe Orlando Pace when when I was uh, mm-hmm. high school college, but I was at the the, the Texas game, the, the Big Twelve title game, and yeah. it is the most that's the single most dominant performance I've ever seen by a football player. It, it was, it was fun, man. I mean, it was great to have him on our team. Like, and that's, I really, truly glad he's on our team because yeah. when the game started, he was one of the most aggressive individuals. Like I, there's a couple of plays, like, you know, he'd make the play. I come up and I pop him in the back of the helmet. Hey, Sue, you know, and he'd turn around and just give me those eyes. It's like, don't hit me, bro. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> God dang. All right. Well, again, glad you're on my team. Um, and to imagine he's still out there and, and playing at a high, high level. Well, and that's the thing. Indomitian Sue was a valuable recruit. He was a four-star recruit out of Portland, Oregon. Yep. Uh, he looked at Mississippi State because his sister played soccer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm telling you collectives right now, four, high four-star and five-star D tackles, yep. much higher hit rate than the QBs. Yeah. You know what's You will be happy if you do that. Randy, think about this, too. Um these collectives either have to be super informed on this market or they're going to start to uh, pay for, for inside tips and secrets from these recruiting services. Right. Well, and it's, it's, it's similar to, to the agent world. I mean, I've talked to, to player agents about this. Like they have to be really good talent evaluators yeah, or they go out of business. Right. Because if you, you know, it's the guys who can get obvious first rounders, that's one thing. But you got to be able to find guys that you can get on while they're in college and you can say, I know you may grow into a third to fifth rounder and and take an NFL paycheck, which is going to allow me to keep doing my business. Right. So it's, it's but it, collectives are going to have to figure out how to work the same way. Yeah. And, and I mean, of course, that they most often or likely rely on their coaches to indicate right. like, who is of interest. But I'll tell you, there's. There will be a day mm-hmm. when the collectives and coaches disagree on. That's what I was. I, I, I was wondering about that because the collect or they've made a big deal. The collective has already made the deal. The players there. It may not even be the coach that the player signed with now. And the coach goes, I just don't think he's good enough. Right. And then then guess what? Your collective might run dry. Like your next pick. Like So it's. There is a challenge when you think about like the professional sports level where you have the general manager and the, the, uh, you know, the scouts yeah. versus the coach. Yep. And sometimes that coach is just going to be handed the cards that, that were dealt and owned by the, the general manager. And it's not really up to them. And, could and it's that- funny because that drives me crazy about the NFL. Right. Like Bill Belichick does it exactly like a college coach does. Yeah. But not many organizations are going to let their head coach do that. And now the college coaches are going to have to feel more like the NFL coaches. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is what the GM gave me. Yeah. And, and then they're also literally in many states not allowed to be privy at all to like what what's happening. Um, and they may be aware, like aware, awareness yeah. and involvement is, is a really thin line between the two. So sort and, of like playing for the Jags when they drafted Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. Jack Del Rio told that story. Like he's in the cafeteria when they trade trade up to, to draft Blaine Gabbert. 
yeah. and no one told him. Like, so it's going to be like that. Game. Yeah, yeah, it could be, man. And it could be. And I think that's going to be interesting when coaches, let's say that it gets away. Like, cause I'm, I'm assuming that most of the time, the quarterback prospect for a, a coaching staff is known, right? It's just known. This right. is what we're going oh, after, yeah. right? They only offer three or four kids in a class. Like, so it's probably one of those three or four. So that makes it a little easier for. We're, we're no. talking about this like it's new, Blake. Right. This has all happened yeah. before. Right, so. right. It's true. It's true. But then when you get down roster, we're talking about like a two-star, three-star offensive lineman, defensive tackle, and a collective like happens to have a line on some kid down in some market that's like, hey, I'm going to go – Like my cousin is down here. I'm going to offer him this. Then you, then you get a – coach gets a call from a collective and say, hey, this kid's going to – I just offered him this package to come here. Like we haven't even offered that kid. Like, well, he's coming here. Here's, a, here's, a, here's another one. What if the – what if it's the collective just loves a kid because there is a potential to make money? Like they are this. This is right. a kid with a huge social media following, yeah. big personality. Who if if they if they hit, then the collective which has purchased that kid's nil rights right outright can actually turn a profit off of it. I, like yeah, I mean, but you, the kid can't play. Right, right. I mean, there's um. There's some TikTok stars out there like that do make hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're student athletes. They're making hundreds of thousands of dollars for no reason related to sports. And yeah. like Will Will Greer's brothers, who there you go, Nash didn't Greer. play football yep. Yep. or or I think stopped playing football because they got massively huge on Vine. Right. Um, somebody might have signed those guys just to just to make some dough. Here's what I would say. Another thing that sports fans have to get used to is that. With the transfer portal and NIL, if you are hypothetically, like if you're the Cavender twins out at Fresno State, like Fresno State's been incredibly supportive of what they're doing, right? And but Cavender right, twins, well are they should be. Two women's well, basketball. We're talk about players. Fresno State basketball, otherwise. Yeah, they're they're all conference. Like they're great basketball players, and uh, but they are in. They've got to be in the millions of dollars now. Like mm-hmm. there was a deal a couple weeks ago. They did through open doors where they they negotiated a private jet, like in as part of the deal. Okay, like so they got. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm getting in the wrong business. Yeah, buddy. They, I mean, they got they got paid uh, to hop on a private jet, film a commercial, to post to TikTok, and the, this company paid for their jet from Fresno to LA and back. Sweet, um, it's awesome, man. And but when you think about that, like, what's to stop them from entering the transfer portal and testing and seeing like maybe there is a collective out there that would be like, well, if we got them to this market, like we know that if we did the same deal structure, like there's some arbitrage opportunities here, like pay this and make this. Mm-hmm. Type of and- but, but what's interesting is whoever's getting them is getting them for the brand. They're good players. And they're ballers too. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Now are, would they improve South Carolina is the question. Right. Which already know. has great players. Correct. Yeah, I so. just, I guess probably the underlying thing here. And he's like, if I were a student athlete and I were elite, which I guess is not hypothetical, right? Back you were a day. starter at Nebraska. That's pretty damn elite. So. Uh, but like, let's say that that your starting offense or defense enters the transfer portal after every semester, like after every season, because it it's like free agency. And, yeah. and like, if they are given opportunities to go elsewhere, then they can leverage that to stay. Or if they're given opportunities to stay, they can leverage to go elsewhere. It's just interesting to think that like what Caleb Williams did to going from Oklahoma to USC um, and staying in the portal long enough to have speculation and national media attention, like all of those things drive like up. They his drop value. the Wisconsin crumbs and they, the, they yeah. just drive up his value. And and they, so these guys at the high level, they're represented by agents that know how to play the market. They've done the same thing with an NFL quarterback when it hits free agency, like that. This are the different not wants and wishes. They're just doing the same thing with you know six years earlier with high school and college kids, which is nuts, but. New world, man. New world. We're all living in it. We're going to break it down, uh, make sure people know what to do, where to go, uh, what it costs. It's amazing. And I imagine there'll be some deals done over your app over the next couple of weeks that uh, with with some folks who had no idea they were going to be famous today. Yeah. March Madness is good for that, man. Excited for it. Blake Lawrence, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. That is Blake Lawrence from Open Doors. Excellent guest. He's such a fascinating thing to talk about because all of this is changing kind of as we speak. This mar- The markets are defining themselves as we speak, and we don't really know where all of it's going to land. And everybody's just kind of flying blind, and we'll see what happens. But it will be fascinating, especially will be fascinating 
as we watch the NCAA basketball tournament this week. And of course, because it is NCAA tournament week, basically Ari and I would be fired as podcasters if we did not present you with some sort of bracket. It's, it's in the rules. It's in our contracts. We have to do it. So on Wednesday, the college football cliche bracket. It's going to be amazing. The committee is meeting right now to seed the cliches. All I'm going to say is, if Stars Matter is not a one seed, Ari's going to be really, really ticked. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.